A, adamantium, B, vibranium, C, carminadium, or D, uru. Did you come up with those? No? <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Two Takes on Film, the only podcast that has never, ever, ever started reading a book and then gotten like a third of the way through, but then forgotten about the book for a long time and come back to it like months and months later and tried to start reading at the same place again, but felt lost because they couldn't quite remember what happened the first third. So then they tried to start the first part again, but then they were daunted by how long the book was and trying to start over. So they just moved the bookmark to the end of the book and put it on their shelf and just pretend like they read it. My name is Wyatt Croy. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Heather Davenport. Hello. Hi, Heather. Heather and I are two best of friends that love talking about all things movies. So if that sounds interesting to you, go ahead and like and follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Well, I almost messed that one up. <laughs> With that being said, we have a great episode for you today. We're going to be reviewing two very different movies in terms of scale for you. Uh, We've got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Causeway, a new movie starring Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Before we get to that, though, we have a little bit of a quiz. And if you listen to the show, you know that quizzes are usually directed towards me. Typically, Heather reads them and I attempt to answer And so today I figured that I would reverse that process and I would quiz Heather. And since we are reviewing Black Panther, which is, (laughs) as you all know, uh, a movie within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And as Heather is someone who has officially seen every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe (laughs) fairly, fairly recently, actually more recently than me for most of them. I thought it'd be fun to quiz Heather on some basic MCU questions. And I made this quiz myself. Oh, gosh. That means it's going to be extra hard. No, 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 no. I both came up with my own questions and found questions online that were on multiple different quizzes that I found. And I purposely made this as like... (laughs) Uh, MCU quiz for dummies, like well, an MCU don't quiz say that, for beginners. Then when I get it wrong. For, for beginners, <laughs> sorry, for beginners. Not even beginners, because honestly, yes, I've rewatched a couple MCU movies, but m- like seventy-five percent of MCU movies, I never watch outside of my first time seeing them in the theater. Mm-hmm. Especially recently, the older ones, of course, I've rewatched more and more, uh, just because that's what happens. Um, and the ones I really enjoy, I'll rewatch. But for the most part, I don't. So. Really, you have seen these movies just about as many times as I have. I think it's more so just I was like a big fan of them as a teenager. Uh And so I was more into keeping up with the lore and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, That might make a difference here. But I think you can get most of these. So Is this like multiple choice or fill in the blank? It's multiple choice, except for some of them. Some of them are (laughs) so easy that I was like, I cannot give you multiple choice. (laughs) You You have to be able to just tell me. Oh gosh. Okay. 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 You feel ready? I'm, How confident do you feel? There's 15 I don't. questions. Okay. There's 15 questions. So before we start, mm-hmm. do you have a guess as to how many you can get right out of 15? Um <laughs> I'm gonna say seven. Okay. 
Not even, not even over half. You can't even give yourself eight. <laughs> I'm trying to just put know. yourself over 500, 500, like over half um, give yourself eight. Okay. Eight. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I like the confidence. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you didn't tell me about this until just now because yep. you because asked me like eight. an hour or so ago on the yeah, phone I did. and I was like, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. In Captain America, the Winter Soldier, S.H.I.E.L.D. is shown to have been corrupted by what secret agency? We have A, the Ten Rings, B, Hydra, C, the CIA, or D, S.W.O.R.D.? Uh, I'm going to go with B, Hydra. That is correct. Plus one. Good job. That is one out of one. Question number two, the country of Wakanda is home to a meteorite containing what rare material? Mm. A, adamantium, B, vibranium, C, carbonadium, or D, uru? Did you come up with those? No? (laughs) I'm not going to answer until you answer. (laughs) B, vibranium. (laughs) Did you come up with the rest of them? Maybe, maybe not. Why? They're kind of fun. No, those are all real things existing within the MCU. Oh, yeah, great. There are very few options on here where I, where one of the options mm-hmm. isn't like almost every question, the options are all things that exist with MCU. They're just not necessarily mm. the right answer. Oh, okay. I can think of only like oh, one or two, one or two choices in any of the 15 questions that are just mm-hmm. like totally made up. Okay. Okay. All right. So you're two for two. I don't know if that was helpful information or if that's just going to throw me off now. But anywho, I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful. Okay. Because I think if something sounds familiar to you, I think you might think, oh, that sounds familiar. I've seen that in an MCU movie, so it must be that. But know that most of these things you have seen in an MCU movie. Well, right, which is going to make me doubt everything now. Yeah, but it also stops you from just immediately going for something because it sounds familiar. You have to think about what it's mm. from. You'll be fine. You're two for two. You're doing great. <laughs> okay. You're flawless so far, Heather. Oh, All right. Question fine. number three. In Avengers Infinity War, some Avengers team up with the Guardians to fight Thanos on his home planet. What is the name of his home planet? And if you can ever get, if you're like, oh, I know the answer before I read the multiple choice, just mm. stop me mm-hmm. and tell me you know the answer because that's more impressive to me i might <laughs> i might give you okay. a bonus or something Ooh. so okay. what is the name of Thanos's home Thanos's home planet okay a xander b nowhere with a k c asgard or d titan uh-oh can you read the first two again it is a xander b nowhere with a k um i'm going to go with nowhere oh that is incorrect oh. that is is, is it titan zero. it is titan oh thanos is a titan he goes by the nickname the mad titan mm. so yeah that's right. okay two two out of three two out of three so far number four question number four what member of the original six avengers is the only one to not star in their own solo movie mm. and i will not give you multiple choice Oh, oh no. Okay. Heather, you you have to know 
at least who the initial six Avengers were. Oh, um, okay. Hang on. Yeah. You can even just name them off. And I'm sure when you name the one that has not had their own solo movie, you'll know. Oh gosh. Now I'm doubting if I know. Okay. So, um, Iron Man has his own. Is he an Avenger? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving you any reaction. I'm just going to let you figure this out. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. I don't, everyone's going to have to hear my processing. Okay. Captain America, he has his own. <laughs> Thor, he has his own. Um, the Avengers, the Avengers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Black, Black Widow, is she an Avenger? Oh, this is so bad. Can you not just give me the six of them? Okay. I can confirm that Iron Man and Captain yeah. America and Black Widow are three of the six. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, Thor, he has his own. He is an Avenger. Um. Okay. So there's four. Um, the Hulk. He is an Avenger. He has his own. <laughs> he does. He has his own. But you're, it was. You're asking three. me questions. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to answer. I will tell you if they're an Avenger or not. So you, you haven't named okay. one of the original six. I haven't named. Okay. You've named um, Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Thor, and Hulk. Okay. There's one more. There's one more. Um, it's not Doctor Strange, right? He is not one of the initial. He is Avengers. not. Okay. Is Spider Man an Avenger? He no. is an Avenger, but he's not one of the original. An original. Oh gosh. Remember, this is this is 2012 when the original Marvel's The Avengers came out. Oh. Okay, I don't so think that this me. character has not. So you've named. All but the one who doesn't have an original solo movie. Is this it? character. Go ahead. Is he a part of a team? Yes, the Avengers. They're all a part of the team. No, but is is it um, Chris Pratt's character with Guardians no. of the Galaxy? Oh, Star Lord? Gosh. No. Star Lord. No. Okay. Heather, this isn't even. I'm not even saying the original six Avengers, like from the comics, from the movies, when they all get together in Marvel's yeah. The Avengers in 2012. Yeah. What six characters? You named five of them. There's I one, don't know who else was there. There's one more. He debuts in Thor briefly. He does not have his own movie, but he did get a TV show mm. just last year. Oh, I haven't watched any of those. Um, he flies. <laughs> he does not fly. He doesn't fly? I mean, no, he doesn't have the ability to fly. And he got a spinoff just last year? Is Christmas. it Loki? It's not Loki. He was in the Avengers, but he uh, was, if you remember, he was the main bad guy. So, no, he was not on the I team. No, but he has a spinoff. Oh, my okay. god! We're, we're taking a little too long. <laughs> I'm going to just have to call it an, a missed question. It's Hawkeye. Does he not fly? Oh, he no. Like jump He's pretty the archer. Far. Yes. He's the archer. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. This is 
Interesting so far. You are you're at fifty percent. You're two out of four. That, okay. Truly, I thought that was like one of the giveaways. So we'll see where we go from now. Oh right. no! In the second Avengers film, which came out in twenty fifteen, okay, what is the name of the main villain? A rogue AI system accidentally created by Tony Stark. And a major hint: his name is in the title of the movie. Vormir, Spader. Ultron or Killstorm? Oh, Ultron. Good job. Age of, Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. That is the name of the movie. Good Nailed job. it. <laughs> Nailed it. Crushed it. <laughs> All right. Director John Favreau kicked off the MCU in 2008 with Iron Man. Which of the following movies was not also directed by the pr- prolific filmmaker? So which of these movies was not directed by John Favreau? Okay. And these are outside the MCU. Oh. Oh, gosh. Okay. A, the live-action Lion King remake in 2019. B, Elf. C, Chef. Or D, Pineapple Express. Mm, I'm going to go with Pineapple Express. Good. We talked about the director of Pineapple (gasps) Express just a couple weeks ago with David Gordon Green and Halloween Ends. Yeah. Yes. You are four for six at the moment. Good At job. the moment, it's the key phrase. There. You're you're halfway through. You're halfway to your goal of eight. Sure, sure, sure. All right, number seven. Which MCU movie takes place first in chronological order? Okay. Oh, oh. You want you want multiple choice? Um. Unless you know. Well, I was gonna say Iron Man, but there is a hulk that came out before iron man so in in chronological order as in mm, oh in terms of the story which took place first oh gosh. also okay, even if we're so talking about release date iron man did still come out before the incredible hulk it did there Two wasn't years. a hulk before that one there well there was ang lee's hulk in 2004 but that's not the mcu iron man 2008 okay. was the first mcu movie and then okay. the incredible hulk with edward norton was two years later and that was got the it. second mcu movie got it okay um will you give me multiple choice sure captain marvel black panther guardians of the galaxy or captain america the first avenger captain america the first avenger yeah i should have done multiple choice these are way too easy all right i'm grateful for multiple choice Five out of seven. Captain America Civil War tells the story of Iron Man and Captain America disagreeing about a law that requires superpowered individuals to register with the government. What is the name of this law? A, the Superpowered Persons Act. Mm -hmm. B, the Sokovia Accords. C, the Avengers Act. Or D, the Hero Accords. B, the Sokovia Accords. Nice, nice, nice. I knew Accords was the second part, but I didn't remember the first one, so I wasn't going to just stop you and not let you read the answers to me. Right. All right. You're at six out of eight. Oh. Doing well. Doing well. Before coming to the MCU to direct Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, what other superhero movie or movies did Sam Raimi direct? Do you know off the top of your head? Mm, no. A, 20th Century Fox's X-Men trilogy from 2000 to 2006. B, 
the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy from 2002 to 2007, C, the Kick-Ass series from 2010 to 2013, or D, Ben Affleck's Daredevil movie from 2003? Oh my gosh. Surely we have talked about this. We have talked about this. <laughs> and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> oh no. What was the first option? 20th Century Fox's X-Men trilogy from 2000 to 2006, as in X-Men, X2, and X-Men The Last Stand. I'm going to go with that one. Okay. That is wrong. Uh, was directed, it Spider-Man? He directed the Spider-Man no. trilogy. Yeah. That's disappointing. Wah, wah, wah. All right. Six out of nine. Perfect score. Moving on to question 10. No multiple choice uh, for this one, just so you know. Who are the voice actors behind Rocket Raccoon and Groot in the Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> Rocket is played by the beautiful Bradley Cooper. Mm -hmm. And Groot is played by the very bald Vin Diesel. That was so mean to Vin Diesel. <laughs> he, is he not very bald? He is very bald. Man's but just, got a very clean head. You also described the other person as beautiful, and then him as very bald. That doesn't mean he's not beautiful. Okay. Just seems interesting. His yes, voice that is, is correct. Beautiful. Is it, though? Is it? Like, it's cool. It's interesting. It's, it's unique. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, doesn't he sing? I'm sure he does. He does everything. He does everything. All right, you are seven for ten, Heather. You just need one more correct answer. You have you have three you have three uh, opportunities to get there. You just need one more. In Thor, two thousand eleven, it is revealed that Loki is actually adopted, originally being born a what? Is it a a frost giant, B a celestial, C a timekeeper, or D a realm jumper? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with a realm jumper. Mm. That actually is the one thing on this list that I just completely made up. It is, no. not, <laughs> it is not a thing in the MCU <laughs> at all. That feels like exactly what everyone in the MCU does. It does now with the multiverse, but at, at least as far as off the top of my head, that's never been said in the MCU or mentioned. Well, okay. So he. He's not a celestial, right? Because that's what the rest of his family is. Right. Okay. Oh, well, no, no, they're not celestials. Thor? Thor Thor's not a celestial. <laughs> Thor is a Who's like a, a celestial? Uh so celestials are uh like the uh characters inside of Earth in in the Eternals that were like emerging at the end of Eternals. Uh-huh. Those giant massive Beings. oh yeah hmm. okay great is he a frost what did you say frost giant Frost giant. he is hmm. he is a frost giant correct you are seven for 11 moving on <laughs> question number 12 what is the name of thor's hammer oh do you know the name <laughs> will you, will, yes but will you give me multiple choice <laughs> oh fine okay is it a mjolnir b Vanier, C. Azir, or D. Jonathan? 
<laughs> a Mjolnir. Yes, it is a Mjolnir. Also, if you know the MCU well enough, if you're into it, you probably understand that Jonathan is an even more correct answer. But Mjolnir is right. And eight out of 11 is your what score. What does that I, mean? I don't I know. Obviously. I won't explain. <laughs> I will explain. There's a clip that if you like follow movies at all or follow the MCU, you've probably seen it, you know, on your for you page a bunch of times. It's of some company interviewing um, MCU actors before like Endgame premiere or something. And so one of the questions is, what is the name of Thor's hammer? Mm-hmm. And it's like three of them, like, I don't know, like Zoe Saldana and um, one other actor, actress or something, all trying to pronounce it. They're like, Mjolnir, like, isn't it like, you know, they're trying to say, and then it cuts to Paul Rudd, asks the question, and he just goes, Jonathan? And <laughs> it's a very funny clip. Aww. So it's kind of an inside joke of people who know the MCU well that if you're asked that question, your real answer should be Jonathan. Mm. Well. But... According to the actual MCU, it is Mjolnir. All right. Sure. You you have reached you have reached your My goal. Eight, your goal. Great. Congratulations. Remember, this is also literally the most basic MCU <laughs> I could possibly create. <laughs> okay, Wyatt. Question number 13. Trevor Slattery, played by Ben Kingsley, is an actor hired to play what supposed villain in Iron Man 3? A. Obadiah Stane. B whiplash c the mandarin or d howard stark uh howard stark no incorrect howard stark is is tony stark's dad heather (laughs) i really don't remember anything from iron man Mm. 3 it is c the mandarin oh all right all right all right so you are eight out of 13 at the moment not bad at all question number 14, who has appeared in the most Marvel Cinematic Universe films? You're just, that's, that's it? Yep. Um, I'm going to say Tony Stark. I'm talking about an actor. Okay. Um, <laughs> why, can't, why can't I think of his name? Um, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.? <laughs> Yes, Robert Downey Jr. No, that is incorrect. Oh. Um, I'll give you I'll give you some um Okay. I'll give you some options. options. Okay, great. Uh A Samuel L. Jackson. B Robert Downey Jr. C Chris Evans or D Stanley. Stanley. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Stanley. Stanley, yes, that is correct. <laughs> I mean, I'm not giving that one to you, but Stanley <laughs> is the correct answer, having cameoed in all of them up okay. until Spider-Man: Far From Home. That feels like a little bit of a trick question. Well, I think that even in like actual main roles, I think Samuel Jackson still beats out Downey Jr. for the most part. Really? I mean, he's in. I guess if you don't count post-credit scenes, then no. Mm. But he's in almost every one. Hmm. All right. Eight out of 14. Heather, final question. And I, I've kind of offered you some redemption within this question. Not that you need it. Eight out of 14 is respectable. Mm-hmm. It's over 500 like we talked about. But uh, there's some redemption here. 
So how many infinity stones are there? And you get one point for answering that number correctly. And then one additional point for each of the stones that you can um, name. So you can oh make up gosh. for wrong answers here. <clears throat> so one, okay. just let's start with a number. How many infinity stones are there? Oh my gosh. Now I'm doubting myself. These are the stones that Thanos collects on his gauntlet yes. to snap his finger and wipe out half the population of the universe. Oh no. Initially my thought was five because he has one on each finger, but I'm thinking maybe it's six because is there one in the middle? <sighs> oh my gosh. Let's hear an answer. Okay. Um five. There is six. Six. There's no. six. Yeah, there's one in the middle. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. So that's that's eight out of fifteen, which is actually exactly what you predicted to yourself. Predicted. Well, one, no, one higher. Technically, yeah. 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 But we can make that more. All you have to do, there's six stones. So you could potentially get to 14 out of 15 if you can name all six. Okay. Is one of them time? One of them is time. That's plus one. Okay. Um they're like elemental, right? <laughs> like, like earth, fire. Nope. <laughs> earth and fire, not one. Oh, give you no. hints. Neither is water or wind. Uh, I don't know. Love. No, not love. Um. <laughs> Other things that might correlate with like time. <laughs> Correlate with time, mm -hmm. such as. <laughs> Think Wait, about I'm not gonna get like this. dimensions. Dimensions. Yeah, like what are some of the dimensions to this world, right? Um, Ways of of measuring the world, both. Physically and in other ways, such as time. Time is a measurement. Um, Wait. No, no. Wait. Uh, you know, there's there's inner dimensions within us. Even there's dimensions within every person. Dimensions we we have that other living things don't have. A soul. Yes, soul is one of them. Soul stone, correct. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, when someone travels to distant stars and planets, mm -hmm. uh, or especially if they go through like a wormhole or something, people might say they travel through time and blank. Space. There you go. Space stone. <laughs> what's a, what's <laughs> another... <laughs> What's another dimension <laughs> that we essentially create for ourselves? Like another inner dimension that is in some ways unique to each individual, but then can be altered. <laughs> All right. We'll give you the three. We'll give you the three. We'll do 11 out of 15. Oh, that's really generous of you. Uh, so you got, you got soul space and time 
we also have the reality stone, mm. the mind stone, and mm. the power stone. Mm. So yeah, eleven out of fifteen—that's <laughs> not bad, not bad at all. Way better than the seven you thought you were gonna get. Oh. Everyone, give a, a round of applause to Heather. No, no. <laughs> Great quiz, Wyatt. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Clearly, I have really paid attention to everything <laughs> happening in the MCU. all right everyone now to move on to reviews uh we are going to be reviewing black panther wakanda forever in this episode and we know a lot of you are eager to hear our thoughts on that um but before we do we have a short little review from a small movie from apple tv plus called causeway this is the latest film starring jennifer lawrence and kind of a return to the more gritty uh character-driven dramas that she kind of cut her teeth on early in her career, like Winter's Bone, and honestly, a refreshing return to that uh, stage for her. I think even her more indie roles in the past couple of years, like in her um, in Joy and American Hustle and her David O. Russell films, even those films, while not necessarily being The Hunger Games or Passengers, are still just busy and flashy. This is, this is very low-key. Uh, so Causeway stars... Jennifer Lawrence as Lindsay, an injured war veteran who returns home to her small town uh, just outside New Orleans. Uh, as she is there living with her mother, played by Linda Edmond, uh, she strikes up a friendship with her car mechanic, played by Brian Tyree Henry, uh, whose name is James. Uh, this film, like I said, is very low-key, almost to a fault. Uh, I think that if you're really looking, I think that someone could come into this film kind of expecting, okay, eventually something's going to happen. You know, something is going to develop plot wise uh, that really kicks it into a higher gear, not even like high gear. I'm not even talking about action, um, but just something that kind of brings the momentum of the film a bit forward. But this really isn't that film. We spent the first 20 minutes or 25 minutes with her recovering in a care home. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to Jane Hoodshow, uh, who I'd never seen her in any roles before. She played the caretaker uh, in this home who Lawrence lives with when she first gets back and can barely even um, do basic motor functions. You know, she teaches her how to brush her teeth again. She teaches her how to walk again and drive again and all this. And while we don't spend a ton of time there, it's not the main plot of the movie. And we even get pretty significant flash forwards where we kind of skip a lot of the process. Uh, Jane Hudshell uh, has a really uh, impactful performance as Mm -hmm. her caretaker. I thought she was a really memorable character. But then once she's back in New Orleans, um, we meet back up with her mother again, played by Linda Edmond, who I'm, I wasn't super familiar with until recently. Uh, she was in The Patient for Hulu that I just finished watching um, that mini series, and she was decent in that, but really good here. She's a character where as soon as her frame enters the frame, as soon as you see her, even the kind of shadow of her that we first see, you kind of know exactly who that person is and who that character is. Like she just gets that role of this kind of deadbeat screw up of a mother who kid whose kids kind of have to come back and like take care of her but is still trying her best who you have sympathy for uh i thought she was really really terrific the two leads here are also phenomenal uh the director lila nugebauer uh is from the stage this is her first feature film but she's directed a lot of plays and you can kind of tell not because the film 
feels stagey or feels like it has just a couple sets. It moves around pretty naturally throughout the city, but the film could so easily be a play. Like you could really easily see this adapted into play because Mm -hmm. so much of it is just two people talking. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really hinges entirely on the performances of Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. And luckily they deliver. These are two fantastic performances. I don't think that they'll get any recognition for them. Um, We're late enough into the award season that their names really haven't been tossed around in the ring much. And they probably would have been if there was any chance. Um, So I don't think they're in awards contention, although you could certainly see that that might've been what they were aiming for when making this movie. And honestly, they could be awards worthy, especially Brian Tyree Henry here, I feel is really, really good. And the chemistry and the repertoire that they kind of build with each other on screen um, is just very natural. You can very much buy their friendship and their relationship. Uh, Lawrence is very subtle here, as is the movie. And again, almost to a detriment, I think. Um, While I would certainly always rather a performance that is almost overly subtle than a performance that is not subtle enough. I was just wishing for a little bit more from her. Mm -hmm. Um, But at a quick hour and a half, this really isn't something that, you know, requires a lot from you. Uh, I think that the story is just kind of this slice of life, this moment of life, capturing Lawrence's character. I don't see the characters go through a ton of arcs. They have interesting discussions based on what they believe. And we see some exploration based on what they think and their past traumas and who they are as people. But we see some exploration of ideas in their conversation, but the characters really don't face enough adversity or conflict within the story that we watch to have an art character. We see how they've changed now compared to how they were before based on the conversations they have about their past. We might be be able even to, envision of a future of what they might become but in the story itself that we get to see not a lot of growth or development and so i think that's where i struggle a little bit i am all for watching a movie um that just explores ideas through basic conversation like this especially when the conversation is played or acted so well by these actors but i i'd like for it to necessarily mean something more to the story that we are actually watching and i don't feel like it does so there's like I said, it's a short movie. It's it's nice. I, I definitely don't regret watching it. I, I would suggest you watching it if that sounds like something that's interesting to you. Um, but it doesn't feel like something necessary or something that like I really got too much out of. Uh, one thing I will say, uh, Alex Simmons, who did the score for this movie, is a little composer who I've listened to for a while. Um, he just has a couple albums of his own on Spotify, and he's really fantastic. Then he did Honey Boy just a couple years ago. Uh, that was a really great score. Mm-hmm. He did Fresh earlier this year. That I don't remember the score as well, uh, but it just seems like he's getting more work in films, and that's really encouraging to me because he's fantastic, and the score in this movie is really, really good. It really uh, brings life to, to very quiet moments, and not in a loud or obnoxious way. I'm okay with quiet moments in film but it brings a lot of depth that i think that the rest of the technical filmmaking is not deriving it's it's kind of bland and observational the music really brings you into the character a lot um so i just want to give a shout out to him as a composer i hope that we get to see him keep popping up as the composer for movies in the future so overall yeah 
uh it's it's a good film with good performances an interesting watch um but i can see it leaving a lot of people just thinking oh okay that was it Mm -hmm. how did it leave you feeling uh yeah a little bit like that of like wow we have two incredible actors who um i don't know i feel like going into this it it felt like oh maybe this will be jennifer lawrence's like come back of course she was in um don't look up in mm-hmm. 20 was that 2020 yeah last 2020. Year. um no 20, 2021 2021 yeah. um so she she has done stuff recently but um it felt like you said like maybe this is her coming like kind of coming back to her her roots and more of Mm. the uh darker drama um but her character just kind of fell flat for me i think i i i think she probably accomplished what was asked of her just as Mm -hmm. brian tyree henry did um but it didn't it it just lacked some depth for me. I think it, it did feel very human and feels very normal. It doesn't feel like, oh, these are actors who are are playing some dramatized role. Like it's just a very normal human look at two people who have both experienced a lot of trauma and grief and have found each other in the midst of working through that and processing through that. And they develop this relationship and this friendship out of like lack and need for that in their lives. Yeah. So um, if anything, like that is what you get out of this is just uh, like a, a, a human story of grief and trauma and loneliness and friendship uh yeah. and they they did that well um but i think i was looking for something a little bit more even the conflict that does happen in the movie doesn't feel particularly heightened um the resolution it's, is just kind of like right it's pretty right. low stakes it's yeah. pretty low stakes it's pretty late into the film and it's it's mm-hmm. resolved pretty easily yeah yeah I think for me, the the two pieces that felt like they had the most heart actually were the bookends of the film. So the beginning portion of Lindsay spending her time in this rehab house with her like um, caretaker, mm-hmm. um, I was super moved by the caretaker. And I think if anything, it was more so like, wow, in real life, there are people who do this and they Mm -hmm. care for people who can't care for themselves. And it is such a like, wow, like the heart that you have to have to be able to go to someone when they're calling to you in distress in the middle of the night and like showering adults who just can't care for themselves. Like the, I think I, I just felt a lot of compassion for her and felt her compassion for Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other piece was at the end of the movie, um, Lindsay goes and has a conversation with her brother who's in prison and, um, the conversation that they have, although brief is like, full of like love and redemption and just um yeah I so it was interesting of like wow we get these two really like beautiful moments that bookend this like eh, just kind of okay 
movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I think I I think I wanted a little bit more from it. I thought that visually it really uh captures like the essence of like swampy Louisiana. Like it feels like musty and suffocating and it it I think it contributes yeah. to a lot of what Lindsay is feeling when going back home. Um but it wasn't like a I don't know. Yeah. It had some interesting set pieces. I thought that there there was that feeling of like suffocation over it. Um, but I think so. And there were certain scenes like uh them sharing beers on the park bench at night mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um after the bar, like that felt very of its place, of its uh ilk, like Louisiana. Um, but then also like the whole time I thought back to movies like Blue Bayou and how mm-hmm. much that really like yeah. you could feel the sweat of the characters coming yeah. through the screen. Yeah. And it just didn't quite absorb me on that mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. in terms of its its location. I actually found my found myself like reminding myself multiple times throughout the movie that they were in Louisiana, mm-hmm. which like New Orleans in general is a place that I am so fascinated with. I I like want to travel there a ton because I think it's just like a world of its own that I have mm-hmm. no familiarity with. And so I think that's why I'm very easily uh, drawn into films that take place in that area. Um, and I think that this underutilized that area mm-hmm. of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of feels like a theme across the movie as a whole, just yeah. underutilized a lot. Yeah. Um, I will say Brian Tyree Henry goes in and out of having an accent, which was pretty bad <laughs> yeah i i almost wish that he, they just wouldn't have directed him to use one at all yeah i really um, don't think he needed one like no. he kind of has a gruffness to his voice that works on its own yeah. for his character yeah yeah you could tell he could get like short phrases in yeah. but then when he had to like extend or had monologues yeah it kind of fell off yeah um and then there was one other part where i don't know that i'll say it i don't know how important it is she Lindsay, reveals something about herself that really outside of her revealing it and like um i guess the reveal prevents her relationship with james moving forward but it just felt kind of unnecessary to her storyline so it felt interesting that it was um mentioned but uh yeah i think it it was an interesting concept i think it had potential but i think it was underdeveloped in a lot of ways and and that the two stars who were phenomenal um and who are phenomenal uh were just underutilized yeah Yeah, definitely well those are our thoughts on causeway uh like i said it's a quick uh 90 minute film so uh go check it out if you are interested and let us know what you think uh, but now to move on to uh, Heather's review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Yeah, so uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the final installment in the fourth phase of the MCU, uh, which, as you can tell from the start of, of this episode, big MCU girl over here. Uh, <laughs> but it does kind of feel so shocking that the fourth phase is already over. Yeah. Is it shorter in comparison to other phases? Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, uh, the first phase lasted from 
2008 to 2012. The second ended in 2015 with Age of Ultron, and then the the third ended in 2018 and 19 with game. So it's actually the longest amount of time since the first between two. However, also for about a year and a half there, we didn't get any movies because of the pandemic. Sure. Yeah, I guess. So amount of time that has passed since the end of phase three has been pretty long, but amount of time that phase four movies have been coming out has been very short. Accelerated. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Um, and yeah, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is, of course, the sequel to 2018's Black Panther. It is once again written and directed by Ryan Coogler. Um, and this story picks up six years after the events of Black Panther and focuses heavily, of course, on the loss of T'Challa and how the country of Wakanda can move forward without their leader, without their Black Panther. Um, and then there is this emergence of uh, a character named Namor and the underwater city of Talakan uh, that is threatening all of Wakanda. Therefore, the remaining characters in Wakanda, who we know must band together to protect their country. Um, I enjoyed this. And if I had to rate it, I probably would fall on the higher end of the spectrum than um then it seems like a lot of people <laughs> maybe have been falling. Uh, but I personally think I would give it maybe like an eight out of 10. Uh, and here's why. I would say that the primary reason for my high rating is because I do love the way that it was able to offer a tribute to Chadwick Boseman slash King T'Challa, who um, I would say very much feel... Uh, like one in the same. Um, Chadwick Boseman, of course, passed away in fall of 2020. And filming for this started early 2021. Is that right? Yeah. It was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, So it feels like from the very start of this film, you can see that it is absolutely a priority to honor him and, um, and therefore to honor his character. But it it feels hard to distinguish between honoring Chadwick Boseman and honoring T'Challa because they they are one and the same for for this. Yeah. Um, and they just do it in a really beautiful and just seemingly authentic way. Um, you can, the emotion that you feel from the actors feels authentic, again, because it was like months had passed um from the time that he had passed to when they were filming so i feel like what we get is is truly them mourning him um and i do think that the emotional line of grief and loss was probably my favorite part of this film so without that element I don't know how much I would have enjoyed this. Obviously, I don't know because I can only experience it with that. Um, but the kind of beginning and end emotional pieces that are are quite large and then just that that through line throughout the whole film um, really roped me in and really got me. And I really loved it. I thought they did it really well. Um, I did also enjoy the introduction of this film's villain, Namor, and his people, the Telecon people. Um, they have two pretty, like, 
sneaky attacks in the film that I thought Mm -hmm. were pretty creative, especially the first one. It just really draws on the fact that they are an underwater people who are capable of great destruction. Um, And I think throughout the film, I found myself a little bit conflicted about how to feel about Namor. Um, I think they do a great job of kind of setting up his background and his uh, the intention behind what he's doing. And I think that allows him to be kind of a sympathetic character. At the same time, he um, reacts pretty harshly (laughs) or like... um, Oh, I've been trying to think of the word. He's like, he just like flips a switch. And so yeah. from from one moment, you're like, wow, I I think I really like you and I support you and your mission and what you're trying to do. And then the next moment, it's like, well, that feels like an extreme reaction <laughs> to, right. to what just happened. So um, yeah, I did like him. I liked uh kind of the the creation of um their world and and who they are i think um it will it's interesting they are blue people underwater uh right. and there is oh, another another little film coming out soon with blue people centered around themes of water um so it's i don't i don't know anything about the actual comics i would imagine that this is an actual character and the storyline existed mm-hmm. before um this movie. So uh yeah, I I liked the the introduction of him. Um we do also get to spend a lot of time with Shuri in this film who of course is played by Letitia Wright and I really enjoyed her role in the first film. Um she it feels like she is a person just uh embodies this character and just like represents her really well um and yeah I thought she she did that and continued to kind of carry that on in this film however she doesn't possess like the the weight and the charisma that Chadwick Boseman did um and that feels unfair to compare the two of them obviously mm-hmm. um however she very much is front and center in this film and she has to be able to take on some of that because she that's just the trajectory of of her character um so maybe that will come with time but it didn't feel like she totally commanded the lead in the same way um that Chadwick did um so yeah all all of that to say I thought she was great um especially as someone who like I can't imagine what that is like to play this role in this character as King T'Challa's sister who um obviously I'm sure was close with actual Chadwick Boseman so having to process your fictional loss but also real loss they're all having to do that but um i would imagine that some of them have to do that to a greater extent um than others who worked on this film so um the other person who i really enjoyed in this film was uh denai guerrera who Mm -hmm. plays okoye um i don't remember her being as standout in the first one as she was to me in this one um and 
I feel like we get to follow her on her own arc of like personal grief and loss. And yeah, I, I enjoyed that and enjoyed the partnership that she has with Shuri, especially at the beginning. Um, and of course, just her like incredible loyalty to Wakanda. Um, I feel like she represented that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, the costumes are fantastic. Oscar winner Ruth E. Carter returns to costume for this film. She was the uh, costume director for Black Panther as well, and of course won an Oscar for that. So not only is she continuing to um, develop and build out this uh world for the Wakandans through their outfits but particularly there's a lot of like ceremonial garb in this film um that she had to create and then of course the look for the Talakan people so I felt like all of that was just really impressive um I think Ramonda has these like incredible headpieces and again just all of the the different um like mourning and celebration and battle, like so many different things that she has to capture. And I feel like she just did it really beautifully uh, once again. And then last but not least, uh, I will just mention that the score was wonderful. Once again, led by Black Panthers composer Ludwig Gorenson. Um, and again, felt felt uh, like it matched the different uh, emotions of the film throughout. Um, we had talked about this. There are a couple of like lyrical songs um, that are in there that outside of the one at the end by Rihanna, um, there's at least one other that just felt really uh, out of place. <laughs> um, but the rest of that, the score uh, just felt felt really powerful. So those are yeah. some of the things that I that personally stuck out for me. Is there anything you want to highlight? before I go into a couple of the things I didn't love as much. Uh, Technical aspects of this film for the most part are uh, very good. You just mentioned uh, the score and the costume, which I think are the two strongest uh, contenders in terms of awards season. Um, And rightfully so, I could see them even repeating uh, their wins at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Maybe not score. I don't think it has as good of a chance, but it is very, very good. The way that Gordonson, who is quickly rising as a composer in the industry um utilizes uh both vocal noises and instrumental noises to kind of create these very tense um and also simultaneously gorgeous songs for the film is is quite good uh the costumes are absolutely stunning uh i think that for the most part it does a good job handling the bozeman uh farewell or tribute Mm -hmm. um whatever you want to call it and it does create an emotional response in the Mm -hmm. audience. It does feel like the movie and this is no, you know, I I do not envy the the director writers of this film having to rewrite so much at the last minute and having to process like how they're going to make this impact with kind of giving his farewell. Um, But does feel like the movie kind of calls on that real life emotion Mm -hmm and shoehorns it into other parts of the movie in order to just kind of embed what we're watching with emotion when I don't think that the movie necessarily earns that holistically. It has Mm -hmm. like its strong moments at the beginning and especially at the end uh, where it does pay tribute, but then it just feels like it kind of sprinkles it in throughout the rest of the movie as like, Oh, remember the thing that actually made you sad in real life 
now feel right. sad in the movie. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't a huge fan of that, but I do think that the two parts where it really does double down and focus and turn into full tribute of him mm-hmm. is done really well. And the performances are good. I agree that I don't buy Shuri as the lead of this yet. I can't mm-hmm. imagine her in a room with the rest of the Avengers holding her own the same way that Bozeman so easily just kind of had that quiet confidence and swagger yeah. to him. Um, but she could work and get there. I actually enjoyed her combat as a Black Panther. I think mm-hmm. that it was interesting to see a more cat-like, a slim down uh, Black Panther. You know, she's a much smaller frame mm-hmm. than Bozeman. I don't know how tall she is, but seems quite a bit shorter and thinner. Bozeman is, uh, isn't is the most like, he's not the rock or anything, but he is a more hulking Black Panther than she yeah. is. To, so to see her actual combat as Black Panther more cat-like, more nimble. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting and could lead to some cool fight scenes. I always love something that's going to introduce, you know, new choreography. We have enough Jack guys in the NCU, mm-hmm. you know, more, uh, more like Black Widow style combat yeah. uh, could be interesting to see. And then I think especially Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda uh, was really strong. I really, I bought her grief from losing her son mm-hmm. the most out of, out of anyone in this film, mm-hmm. um, kind of processing that grief. And like you said, balancing the process of a real life loss and yeah. their character's loss. So yeah. a lot to like in this movie. Yeah. So it is interesting because Ryan Coogler had started working on this script before Chadwick Boseman's passing. So Mm -hmm. this movie that we got was not the original intention. Um, So I guess I'm curious, do you feel like it was the right decision for them to go this direction of, of King T'Challa having a storyline of how he actually passes as opposed to either recasting him or yeah, I guess, I don't know what the other options would have been outside of recasting him. Um, I guess like changing his storyline so that he's still around, but he's, or like, he's still alive. He's just not around. Does this feel like it was the right move? With how much, he meant to people as this character yeah. as an actor throughout his short and bright career he played jackie robinson yeah and black panther you know two obviously one of them being real one of them being fictional but two people characters that yeah. represent you know black representation in, in sports and in film yeah um and so being so eternally linked as characters Mm -hmm. i think recasting would have been a huge mistake an absolutely huge mistake and i think that the gravity of his character Mm -hmm. deserved the seriousness of saying no you know he's passed away and we have to face that and we have to find like some sort of way to reconcile that with the rest of the characters and pay tribute to him to just do something like oh he just went away i think it would have been a betrayal to yeah. the character i don't think it's what he would have wanted sure. i don't think it's what any of the fans would have wanted and let alone the fans like us but mm-hmm. the people like the the black fans of black panther who yeah. like obviously he meant so much more to them yeah. i think that they would have lost a lot of respect for the films behind mm-hmm. this character that they love um and that they feel represents them if they would have done some cop out storyline yeah. where he like chose to retire or yeah. moved away or something like yeah. that. And they even reconcile his 
his want for that by having his his um I don't know if they ever got married, but his love interest from the first mm-hmm. film move outside of Wakanda um, yeah. to Haiti and seek like a a a lonesome life or a life yeah. out of the the hecticness of Wakanda politics and being the Black Panther mm-hmm. and all that. So, you know, they could have done something like that. They could have just said, yeah. "Oh yeah, he and um I'm forgetting her character's name." Uh, you know, went to Haiti and now that's where they live. But I think that Nakia, the, Nakia, what? A, oh yeah, that's right. Because right, I think of the phone. <laughs> mm. I think that like Nokia. Nokia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think that people would have really disrespect, like, not liked that yeah. that choice. So I, yeah. I think that they made the right call. Unfortunately, what it caused was a story that. Well, I don't want to get too much into like the grand scheme of things, but this is a big storyline from the comics. Mm. And it's something mm. that is like, you can feel this is a big clash. Yeah. And if it was, if it was, um, oh, I'm forgetting. Um, if it was Namor and Black Panther, that would have kind of made sense. The two leaders of this mm. community, mm-hmm. because Black Panther is now gone. And we had to not only mash up this clash, but then mash up the development of Shuri into the new leader of Wakanda. It made for a much longer movie and it made for the the, yeah. the main clash that we're looking at to be very short-lived kind of towards the end of the second half of the film because we needed the time to buy Shuri's transition into the new Black Panther. Yeah. And so because of that, what felt like a monumental big storyline for a straight sequel to Black Panther now kind of feels like a like a side story, like a side mm. quest for the characters where Letitia's kind of learn or Shuri's kind of learning her own things. And then she has this dispute with this other character when in reality, I think this could have been a much bigger confrontation. Yeah. So rushing into it as quickly as they did, maybe uh, had some negative effects on the film, but that's on no part. That's in no part uh, on the filmmaker. They, mm-hmm. things were in motion. Things were about to sure. start happening. Yeah. They had deadlines. I'm sure even yeah. if Coogler tried to ask, they said, you can't stop this train. I mean, we're filming yeah. in a couple months. Yeah. You just got to re- rewrite it and figure out how, you know, you're going to manage this. So props to them for sure. I don't totally. envy the writers yeah. uh, jobs on this film. And I think that they handled it gracefully, but it does detriment the film and the story outside of Bozeman's death, the story mm-hmm. that we're watching. Mm-hmm. It does, I think, hurt it in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of the things that I didn't love as much, there is another new character that we get introduced to named Riri, who is an American college student who is brilliant uh, and seems to be likened to like a budding Tony Stark herself. Um, she has built a machine for one of her college classes that has been used to detect vibranium, which of course that's what you do in right. college. Um, and Namor is not too thrilled about that. So uh because of that whole situation, she kind of becomes a target, um, therefore needs protection and so on and so forth. Um, again, I don't know the comics, I don't know what her ultimate storyline will be i would imagine that we will see her again maybe she'll get her own spinoff i don't know um i didn't love her (laughs) uh i think in the the grand scheme of this story um 
uh, although she was used to move the story along, um, she was a little bit forgettable for me. She feels very young and immature and um, feels uh, like a risk <laughs> to have around. Yeah. Um, we also don't get a lot of story and background on her. Why should we trust her? Why is she important? How does she have all this knowledge? Where did these things that she built come from? Like, I don't feel like we get any of that. So, so she is being used for a purpose, but if she is going to return, I feel like I would just need more. So I don't know. I think I could have, could have, uh, I think her character also just feels a little cringy. Yeah. You know, a lot of the more shoehorned modern lingo and stuff that they try to fit in to, sure. you know, stay with the cool kids gets uh, gets put on her character because she yeah. is the, like, young college student. So yeah. it just, you know, it's a little cringy at times. Yeah. It's harder yeah. to buy. Yeah. Sure. Um, I would also say that this movie feels like it cracks open a lot of weaknesses of the Wakandans and also the Talakans who were were meeting particularly at the end um as they are kind of battling each other it doesn't really feel like either of them should win and mm. feels like the resolution is a bit abrupt um i think even from the early moments when we meet namor in wakanda it feels a little bit like wow are are the wakandan people really so vulnerable now that they don't have their black panther like is that did all of their like strength and power disappear when when he passed away which you could argue that maybe it does and they really like need that black panther in order to be safe and and successful um but then even on the opposite side with namor is he really so fragile that literally taking him like a stone's throw away from water is is detrimental to him um it just felt like both of them uh felt so exposed so easily which i feel like from the first black panther wakanda feels like this unit powerful powerhouse that no one can take down and like impenetrable and it doesn't feel that way in this movie so again i can understand that that like without their leader without black panther they are more vulnerable and susceptible um but on both sides of um the conflict it feels like everyone is vulnerable Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and again that conflict just felt really abruptly resolved um at the end of the film uh, and then last but not least, I would, this is, it's a two hour and 40, 41, 41, yeah. 41 minute movie. And although I never like, I wasn't falling asleep at any point, I wasn't struggling to so hard to like stay engaged. Um, I do feel like there were some parts in the middle that lagged a bit, some storylines that were so brief and unnecessary that they could have easily been cut to kind of trim down um, on that runtime to make it a bit more focused, punchier, um, impactful. Um, So yeah, I think, yeah, those little, little storylines that again, just ultimately like don't add anything. It just adds to the runtime. I could have done without that. So Mm -hmm. those were some of my uh, 
faults, but I know that you have some other thoughts about that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think that it's, it's overly long and for something that tries to pack in, um, developments that I feel, feel rushed in the film. It's crazy that it's as long as it is too. And there's just so much unnecessary, uh, things going on in the middle of the film, like you said, where it's lagging. Uh, I also thought that the writing, you know, wasn't always on par. Sometimes, uh, it is elegant in the way that they discuss, uh, bozeman and their grief and what's going on there but then once the writing tries to get more plot focused uh it gets really clunky and kind of on the head and everyone's talking and i mean it's it's marvel so this is this is something that kind of spans across all their movies Mm -hmm. but i think that recently we've just watched films with some amazing writing in them and and so to go back to this is like oh yeah no this really (laughs) is that bad sometimes yeah um the pacing feels off. Like I said, it's overly long yet too quick and too short and compact at times and the CG. So for as beautiful as this film is, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I want to say as beautiful as it's shot, but I, I don't even really say that because a lot of the landscapes either just don't feel as pretty as I remember the, uh, you know, just black Panther being, Mm -hmm. But Black Panther was infamous because the final fight between Black Panther and Killmonger um, had really awful CGI. And it came out afterwards that they had to like redo that fight. And the uh, the crew working on the VFX had 13 days to do everything there. And I follow a a group called Corridor Digital on YouTube, which is a small VFX house in uh, LA and they do a lot of breakdowns of good and bad CGI and films and kind of talk about how mm. it's done. And they've covered that, that sequence, the black Panther finale many, many times. They've even had guys who worked on the film, people who worked on that aspect of the film come in mm. and like, it's not their fault, but it's janky looking. And so I really thought all the time in the world, all the budget in the world, going into this movie that they would make sure it was perfect and it does not look good like it it really doesn't any flying sequence there's a character who develops into iron heart which is wears like an iron man-esque suit just look really bad uh the three characters kind of escape from the warehouse where one of them's on a motorcycle one of them's in a car and one of them is flying through the air does not look good throughout, which is a bummer because it culminates in some really good action set pieces mm-hmm. at the end, but it looks so silly and janky leading up to that. Uh, and then even later in the film <clears throat> during final climaxes, uh, final, um, the climax, the final confrontation, there's just certain characters introduced into the film that wear these more mecha like tech type suits, like Iron mm-hmm. Man esque suits, some that are more like water-based, some that are air-based. And not only do they just not look very good, they look plasticky and and Mm -hmm. toy-ish in a way. They look like children's toys. But I just, I hated it. I want to watch Black Panther for the more organic uh, tribal combat that we see from the first, more realistic looking on the ground, fist to fist, feet to feet, whatever combat and sword play and spears and all that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't need more flying around shooting. I don't need another Iron Man. I don't. I saw Iron Man a lot of times. (laughs) Uh, And that's not why I watch Black Panther. Even the suits themselves, like something so organic and natural, even though it is synthetic, uh, feels like moving and and 
like when I see the Black Panther suit, mm -hmm. I feel like I know what it's like to touch it. Like I feel like I can imagine what it feels like to touch the outside of that suit. The other suits introduced in the film, I can't imagine what they feel like to touch because my brain is never once able to accept that they might be real. Yeah. At all. Mm -hmm. And so it just it doesn't look very good. And mm -hmm. it brings elements into the story that drag it on, make you jump all over the place when you really want to just watch the action of this one fight. And I just didn't enjoy that at all. That was mm -hmm. that was severely disappointing. And then you add a plot that I just didn't find myself engaged in. And like I said, this feels like a a side quest movie, not a mm -hmm. not a true sequel. The only times where I felt like, oh, this is like engaging at the level of a Black Panther sequel. This is engaging at the level that it needs to be are the two book-ended tributes to mm -hmm. Bozeman. Mm -hmm. And those aren't even really the movie. Yeah, Those are just really giving audiences a real-life goodbye to this amazing actor and character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as a film, outside of those, as a movie on its own, it really did not do it for me. I, I would not rate this very highly. I think it's severely disappointing. That's not to say there's not things there to enjoy, but it fell very short for me. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Those are our thoughts on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Have you guys seen this? How did you feel about it? Um, both the approach to honoring Chadwick Boseman, um, new characters that were brought into the storyline. How do you feel about it? Where where does Wakanda go from here? I don't know. We'll find out, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. phase four of the MCU comes to a close with this movie, we would love to hear from you guys. Go ahead and send us a DM on Instagram or text us if you have a number. How do you rank the phase four movies? How would you mm -hmm. rate or rank the movies that have come out during Marvel's phase four from best to worst? I'd love to see your guys' list and see how mm -hmm. they compare to mine. Keep your uh, ears out for new episodes uh, coming out soon. We should have uh, lots of movies coming up uh, that we want to talk to you about. But until we do, watch as many movies as you can, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. MCU quiz for dummies, like oh, an MCU don't quiz say that, for beginners. Then when I get it wrong. For, for beginners, <laughs> sorry, for beginners. <laughs>